0: Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Sarah Fenske. An 86-year-old mystery has finally been solved. It has been part of Vic Speck's life for as long as he can remember. The mystery goes all the way back to August 24th, 1934. That's 86 years ago today. And it was captured in the pages of The Baltimore Evening Sun. Growing up in Belleville, Illinois, Vic Speck read that story, never having any idea that one day he would find the clues that solved it. And he joins us today to tell this story from his home in Belleville. So Vic Speck, welcome to the program.
1: It's great to be here.
0: So, Vic, that story in the Baltimore Evening Sun that I referenced, this was about your father, Joseph. What did it tell you about what happened to him on August 24th, 1934?
1: Well, that's right. It was an interesting story, probably both from a personal perspective, but also it got a lot of ink in those days. So here you are in 1934, Baltimore, Maryland, uh, kind of throes of the Great Depression, Uh, And of course, it it relates to my dad. And uh, the 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 story references a a foundling uh, around police seeking parents of an infant left in an automobile. Uh, And the story is told uh, of a woman, uh, Mrs. Bradley was her name, Clara Bradley, and her sons John and Francis, who come into town from Havre de Grace, which is in Harford County, Maryland. It's a a suburb probably similar to like a uh, St. Charles County or mm-hmm. or the east side would be the St. Louis uh, on the evening uh, of the 24th uh, of, of August. Uh, and what they tell the police and then the reporter uh, is that they had come in on a Sunday night around 9.30 in the evening, uh, and they were near Penn Station train station in Baltimore uh, and uh, at that point uh, when they were getting re- they, they were getting out of the car getting ready to go into the train station uh, a car pulled up behind them mm. and uh, the woman here cites that another woman had approached her um, woman was in a dark sedan she said they had it had DC plates uh, there was a couple in the back seat. She described them uh, uh, fairly specifically, a young couple, a woman woman wearing a white dress and a hat, a man in a sheersucker suit, and they had asked her uh, about uh, where the St. Vincent's orphanage was, hmm. and uh, Clara, uh, the, the woman who had driven into the train station, said, I'm sorry. I really don't live in the city here. I don't know that much about it. I'm from outside the city. Um, and she went on her way. She went into the into the train station. Came out about an hour later. Met up with her two sons. And as they were approaching their car, they heard a baby crying. Well, it turned out the baby was what the, the person who who would become my dad mm-hmm. uh he was in a cardboard box uh in the bo- in the back seat of their car so she then goes to the goes to a policeman goes in tells the lieutenant her story the the newspaper uh picks up on the, the details of this and they really put out uh, a pretty prominent piece in the Baltimore sun uh, it also gets picked up by the Washington Star at the time and the Washington Post uh, hmm. uh, because of the D.C. plates. And in fact, the story says they're now turning their attention to, to Washington in an attempt to find the parents uh, that they had passed this. They have indeed passed the baby on to St. Vincent's orphanage. Uh, uh, the baby has a medal around its neck, a sacred heart medal. Uh, but very little is known, and they're even saying they you know they're citing that there was a cardboard box that looked to be from a soap manufacturer in New Jersey, and perhaps they could find out a bit more from this. So it was quite you can imagine quite this like CSI Baltimore, uh, 1934 story. We always of course loved this story because it was uh, it, it was about my dad uh, who who had uh, uh, spent a bit of time in the orphanage uh, uh, before the adoptive grandparents, uh, of, of whom my last name comes from, Speck, uh, had had uh, adopted him from there.
0: And I understand he was not in that orphanage for very long. Is that correct? That's right. He was there, we think, about 12
1: to 15 months.
0: Okay. And this mystery of these people that deposited him before Clara Bradley and her sons found him, um, that's something that that was never found. Um, The newspapers are obviously all in on the details, but the the biological parents never came forward.
1: That's exactly right. Uh, They did not. And, you know, there was some curiosity uh, over time about it. Um, You know, what were the circumstances? You know, a bit of speculation, uh, you know, was it, was it someone who thought, okay, here, you know, people who have a car in 1934 Depression-era Baltimore, uh, perhaps they can care well for this, for this baby. So that's why the, the baby had been left in the back seat. But really, it was, it was the coldest of cold cases probably back about 30 years ago. I was in Baltimore on business, visited a little family, and I asked a few questions, But there was no way to really try to pin this down. The orphanage had been long gone at the time. Uh, no real police records that we were aware of. And in any event, uh, the child had been abandoned. So no connectivity to, um, you know, to the, to the familial line there.
0: And you had grown up um just interested in this story in a way that your own father it seems like he was pretty content with his adopted parents he didn't want these answers, but you did and, and is that why your wife ended up getting you the twenty three and me for christmas
1: well well yeah and in, and in fact you know certainly uh the you know People will say, "Well, what well, were you looking to find out who your real grandparents were?" It's like I know who my real grandparents were. They were the, they were the specs, a wonderful couple. They they raised my my dad in terrific fashion. Uh, but but there was always, I think, this just natural curiosity about it. My dad was actually... Disinterested for, for pretty much the same reasons. He said he, he knows who he parent, who his parents, uh, were. And, uh, I think as much as anything, so I, I was a journalism student. I've uh, been in communications most of my life. Uh, and I, I enjoyed this. I enjoyed how it was treated as a bit of a mystery at the time by these prominent Northeastern uh, uh, publications.
0: Mm-hmm. But so you ended up doing this DNA um, test after your wife gave this to you. You got your results back, and it actually took your wife to understand the connection to the story you'd always been told. What did she realize after you got these results back and, and spent some time looking at them?
1: So it was really pretty fascinating because uh, we did. We took, a, we took a 23andMe test, or I took a 23andMe test. And again, we were hopeful that perhaps it would connect us to to some people, particularly on my father's side, in part just to solve the mystery, if you will, or to try to advance our knowledge of it, uh, and in part, even for practical reasons, you know, uh, uh, health care, history, uh, those those types of things. So yes, for Christmas, uh, my wife had, had gotten me a 23andMe test, probably took me a month or so to... To get around to it and then I'm going to say probably in early February maybe uh we had gotten the results back and um for any of those uh, who've taken the test they know you you ring you know you you really ring up a whole host of relatives that can go down to sixth cousins, seventh cousins. There were literally I think 1400 people roughly that uh, uh that that were shown to be related to to me um and some of them were obviously on my mom's side and it kind of separated out those and then some on my dad's side and a whole variety of names but we pretty quickly zeroed in on the fact that uh there were some names from uh the Maryland area there uh, that obviously were more than a coincidence, uh, and a host of like names there. But one name that we saw probably three, four, five times um, were uh, was, was the name uh, Bradley. So we thought, aha, we're probably on to something here.
0: And so you saw that name Bradley, but it took your wife to realize the connection with this story from the Baltimore Evening Sun. She realized Bradley had been the name of the woman who found this baby and when she first posed this theory to you were you like yep holy cow this is <laughs> there's a connection here clara bradley who found the baby i'm related to bradley's
1: absolutely uh, my 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 wife is, has always been a, a terrific sherlock holmes and always gets to the answer on on who done it uh mysteries far quicker than i uh in in movies and such and and sure enough we had my, my daughter Stephanie Diana and I had all been kind of working this through various ancestry elements. My uh, and and I and I had sort of pulled back out this yellowed copy of the newspaper and we were glancing at it one evening. And she said, did, "My my wife said, did you see the name there?" And and I said, what, "What?" She's like Mrs. Bradley, Clara Bradley. She's like Bradley was was the woman who claims to have had the baby left in the back seat, but. That's who you're related to, are the Bradleys, and I really had I had read right past that because it was never really relevant what her name was uh, through this time. And uh, as my wife said, it was quite the mic drop moment. Uh, you know, we we sort of our jaws dropped and we looked at each other and said, this was an inside job. Uh, you know, the, uh, the all these years thinking. Um, buying into what had really been an elaborate cover story. Um, And and as it turned out, it was really Clara uh, and her sons uh, that were most likely related to, well, that, that were related to this, to this baby.
0: And as you say, what a mic drop moment. We're talking to Vic Speck about his family story and the mystery he recently solved. And we do need to take a quick break, but we'll be back shortly to continue this conversation and what happened once Vic got this information. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. Welcome back. We'll return to our conversation with Vic Svek in just a moment. First, here's a local news update. A new metro transit system policy allows the agency to suspend riders who cause problems. The Ride and Abide policy took effect in July. So far, five people have been suspended for one year each. Three people assaulted fellow passengers or employees, and two committed multiple acts of vandalism. The St. Louis Board of Building Appeals has denied an appeal from the owner of an urban farm condemned by the city. Perennial City Farms owner Tim Kiefer is accused of failing to apply for an occupancy permit for his North St. Louis farm. Neighbors have complained about odors. Kiefer could now secure the proper permits or appeal the decision. He has, however, already moved much of the operation to another location. And we're looking into yesterday's partial collapse of the historic Lump Brewery Complex in South St. Louis. Amid the rubble were roughly 700 bicycles from local nonprofit St. Louis B-Works. On Wednesday, Bee works president will join us on this program. We'll also talk to a historian about the sprawling brewery complex It was built in the 1860s. Join St. Louis Public Radio this afternoon for local and regional news and throughout the day on our website. That's stlpublicradio.org. And now back to our conversation. We're talking to Vic Sveck. He's a businessman who grew up in Belleville, lives there today. And as he grew up, his father's biological relatives were a mystery. As a baby, Joseph Sveck had been found on a viaduct in Baltimore. This is in August of 1934. A woman said she'd found him there. She also said she'd been approached by a young woman asking for directions to an orphanage. And then the young woman said, sped off in a car with DC plates. Well, that woman was Clara Bradley. And Vic's vexed family, just before the break, we learned that she was a blood relative of the baby that she quote-unquote found. So Vic, your daughter Stephanie Mueller um, made the breakthrough of finding the present-day Bradleys, which was key into understanding more about this mystery, and she did that on Facebook. She found a group called We Are Bradley. But to get there, first she had to find the modern-day relatives' names. And so Stephanie Mueller explained how she finally found the modern day descendants of Mrs. Frances Bradley.
2: I mean, it probably took me several weeks or a month where I was trying to find, you know, how Ancestry.com is set up. You can, I mean, you can search for things all different ways. And so I I went in and, you know, had so many different searches where I'm trying to find a Frances Bradley. And it was like, is it Is it saying Mrs. Frances Bradley because that's her name, or is it saying Mrs. Frances Bradley because that was her husband's name? And so, you know, all kinds of different ways of looking. And I ended up finding a family tree. Heather Bradley um, had a family tree that actually had um, uh, Mrs. Clara Kerr was her maiden name. She's married to John. They had two sons. John was one. Um, and the year he was born would have matched up with the age. And then Francis, who we've since found out, he went by Rush, um, his age matched up as well. I think they were 24 and 17 at the time. But anyway, I told my dad, I go, oh my gosh, I think I found the family tree. And And
0: indeed she had. That was Stephanie Mueller, Vic's daughter. She also found lots of old Bradley photos that had been posted on Ancestry.com, and she saw a clear resemblance to you, Vic. And it was those photos that led her to the Facebook group We Are Bradley. One of them had been cropped in a way that you could actually see the name of the Facebook group. She followed that through, figured out these were the modern-day Bradleys. Um, Vic, you must have been worried that by posting within this group your family's story, you were about to kick over a hornet's nest. Did you have some trepidation about Doing that,
1: there there was a little bit of concern. You know, this uh, uh, you, you certainly don't want to be spoiling the family gene pool or, or upsetting Capricard or whatever your 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 analogy might be. But but at the same time, uh, to be fair, um, first of all, this was something that was eighty six years old. This wasn't something that just happened three years ago. Secondly, uh, you know, we came in interested curious joyous about it obviously I wouldn't be here right now if uh, if uh, nor would stephanie if if uh, uh, Clara's family would have made a different choice at some point along the way there and and my dad wouldn't have been Uh, given up for adoption.
0: Yeah, you weren't angry that they had done this. You were just, as you say, approaching with joy and and curiosity. And so you shared on this Facebook group what you thought had happened, that that Clara Bradley may have been your your grandmother um, or, uh, sorry, great-grandmother. And then a woman posted, a member of this group, the story is all true. Where were you when you saw her post that message?
1: Yeah, it's it's a great point. This was probably we call it four Sundays ago, and uh, um, my daughter's staff had called us around ten thirty on a uh, actually a Saturday night, and uh, uh, she said, "Dad, you got to go to the go to the We Are Bradley Facebook site." Well, it it really laid out an interesting story because I had reached out to the administrator uh, of the site pri- through a private message. Sent the original Baltimore Sun story, and she had posted. She's like, I guess this is possible, and she posted it out there for the other Bradleys, and it really set off quite a quite a bit of questioning. Is this Aunt Liz? Is this Aunt Betty that we know of? So there was the name of the woman is Mary Elizabeth Bradley. Uh, interestingly, could have only put her out of Clara's family because while Clara had ten children. She only had one girl, and the rest were, were all boys there. So it had been our working theory that it was probably Mary Elizabeth as my dad's birth mom. She, uh, a woman by the name of Clara Bradley, ironically the namesake, the granddaughter, who's now a 79-year-old, had posted later on that afternoon on the site, uh, to your point, this story is all true. And then she posted a few other things where she said, I, I remember my parents talking about this. I remember getting some letters from uh, my aunt uh, when I was younger. And so um, really kind of an overwhelming moment that ended a lot of the discussion and dissension, if you will, around whether this was, you know, somebody made a reference to possible fake news and such. Mm. You know that, So you could see the natural is, um, you know, somebody comes in claiming they're in your family.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's good a, to have some yeah, skepticism one, so. there.
1: <laughs> That's right. That's right. It's healthy.
0: But that the woman who ended up really confirming things for you, that woman was Clara Valek. Um, her father was one of the boys there that day when uh, when her mother Clara Bradley supposedly found uh, baby Joseph. Um, uh, sorry, that was her grandmother, Clara Bradley, who found baby Joseph. And Clara Valick spoke to me last week, and she explained her reaction to Vixvex's Facebook post.
3: I was really surprised. Um, but, it, I mean, I just, I believed it from the get-go. I found the fact with the names, the ages at the time, that it would almost be impossible for somebody to make that story off.
0: So what made you decide to write right there on this Facebook page where where so many people could see it? Yeah, the story is all true.
3: Um, Just so Vic wouldn't have any doubts. I mean, I still have family family members that I'm not really sure, just either are not interested, um, don't believe it, don't want to be part of it. I just thought personally that I put myself in a spot, and if my father, I found out he had been adopted, I would want to know as much about him as I could. Anyway, I just thought he had to know that I supported his search, whatever he found out. Um,
0: I hate secrets. <laughs> And that is Clara Valak. She told me she's the oldest living relative now, so she felt a special responsibility to try to share as much info as she could. And the irony of this is that your mystery now has some some parts of it are solved. Um, it, it, it appears that Mary Elizabeth Bradley was 21 at the time, that uh, your father would have been her biological baby. Um, but the Bradley family now has a lot of mysteries of their own that they're dealing with, even as yours is solved. And Clara Valleck told me what she now wonders about.
3: I wish I knew who the dad was. I wish I knew why my my grandmother and her other children, why they felt it necessary to keep it a secret. Why did they go to all the trouble to make up, which in my mind is such a fabricated story, mm-hmm. uh, the baby, you know, getting to the orphanage. Um, so I don't know if it was just, the times, you know, but I mean, it was, I, I had
0: no clue that that had happened. And that is Clara Valek, and her father, of course, was there that day. She says she really wonders what had happened, where this family felt that it had to to keep so many things a secret. And Vic, and just we just have a couple minutes left here, and it's such an interesting story. Um, this woman, who was now your father's mother, um, she's passed away. But I know that you you feel good about having this information, even though you'll never get to meet this woman who did this. What makes this something where um, it feels good to you to know this information?
1: Oh, I, you know, I think it's just the uh, satisfaction of a puzzle solved as well as really what was an overwhelming kind of, uh, uh, first contact, if you will, phone call that we had with Clara and, uh, uh, you know, as much as anything, let's face it, we've all been going through the draft days of pandemics and, and other concerns. And some people pay good money for a one hour escape room. We had a, we had a five minute, uh, or I'm sorry, a, a five month uh, puzzle going on that was, that was ultimately solved and so that that was extremely satisfying and a, a really uh, uh a, a conclusion that was far far more uh rewarding than probably anything we could have imagined going into this we certainly didn't think a cold case was going to get warmer with the passing of years but thanks to both technology and people we were able to bring it together in a in a really uh in, enjoyable way and um, I should should note that both the, both the Baltimore Sun and the Washington Post have both run follow-up features 86 years later on this story as well.
0: Yeah, it's pretty amazing. And those are both linked on our website if people want to read those. Um, and, and Vic, in our last 30 seconds here, I know your daughter Stephanie told us that this has you guys all talking so much more as you learn more. Has this brought your family closer together?
1: Oh, absolutely! It's 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 been enjoyable. It's been fun. We've been able to y- use our various skill sets and and personalities, and uh, really really kind of plunged into it uh, uh, in a in a very satisfying uh, uh, way. So, uh, and it's really, frankly, um, uh, gotten me more interested both in genealogy as well as existing family that maybe I've let grown uh, a little uh, too distant.
0: Well, it, it's great to have these answers. And I know Clara Valak is really interested in meeting you and your family in real life. And, and I hope that will happen. So Vic Speck, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: All right. It's been a pleasure.
0: This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU.